0: to God with Abraham and Isaac when he offered his son Isaac and then when we start talking about a vision for our life we better surrender what we want to do we say God it's got to be your way not my way and then the next one we talked about vision that a lot of times we kind of look and see things through our perspective or through the world's perspective we need to get God's perspective on things we need to have that Joshua and Caleb type of vision to see what is God speaking to our lives and so We need His vision for our life. And then we talked about being the church full of the Holy Spirit. That that's what the church is. We gather together as believers and the Holy Spirit's power is at work among us. That's the ultimate essence. If you wanted to find the church, it's gathering together in the Holy Spirit's power in the middle of us. That's what the church is. And and so we have characteristics of the Spirit-filled life, the Spirit-filled church that we'd be expecting and believe God to move. That we'd see God's miracle power, that transforming power, be active in our life. That we'd be full of joy as He does His work inside of us. That we would be in awe and wonder as we worship Him. God, You are so great and awesome. And that we would be His witnesses, that the Holy Spirit's power would come upon us, so we would be His witnesses in the world, and so we would be that Spirit-filled church. And I want to share with you some other things on my heart for our church for the next 10 years and for your life. And I just want to share these with you, and I'm going to be leaving soon, and uh, June 14th to be exact. And so, I'll I'll be with you next Sunday, but then after that, I'll be taking off, and I'll be gone for a couple months. I'll be uh, traveling, as it says in the bulletin. I'll be studying uh, in Oxford, England, and uh, spending time with the family. It's just a, a moment of purpose, stress in my life for two months, and and I'm going to miss you guys. It's going to be hard. We sort of planned this a year ago, and really started diligently with the staff at our retreat this past January and throughout the weeks, and. And these past several weeks have been unbelievably busy as we try to put everything into place. So we've got a great summer lined up and fall lined up. I want to tell you, God is going to do some great things in our church, but it's hard to leave. I want to tell you, this week's probably been the hardest week of, of ministry of my life. I've cried more this week than I've ever cried in my life for a variety of reasons. And I want to tell you something that um, I love this church. It's going to be hard not to come here every day. I want to tell you when I I get out of my car and and I walk into the doors, and whether it be going to my office or coming to the sanctuary, there is a profound gratitude that comes over me when I'm walking up to this building, saying, God, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this church. And just just this overwhelming, like, God, I don't deserve, I don't know why you picked me, but I am the most blessed man alive. And that's how I feel. I love this church. I love you guys. It's just, a, it's it's a wonderful thing. So it's going to be hard to be away for a couple, couple months, but it'll go really quick, and I'll be back, and you're in great hands. I mean, Pastor Fred is going to be preaching. My dad, John Jensen's going to be preaching while I'm gone. It's going to be great. You won't even miss me. I'll be back in no time. But uh, you'll be like, oh, you're back already. Um, but uh, but it's it's hard on me and. And, um, but there are changes that come along, and, and there will be a staff change while I'm gone, and so that's what I want to tell you about now. Although it won't happen for over a month from now, but um, Brooke Moss has been our children's pastor for many uh, years here at the church for several years, I should say, and, and graduate of the college, and she's done such a great job with our children. But God's called her to be a missionary, and, and we knew that, and that's and kind of been something on her heart for a long time, and um, and so she went to a missions conference last year. The problem at the missions conference is she met a young man that also had a heart for missions and so they've been dating long distance for the past several months. And um and uh just through guidance and I, I there's a there's a proposal hanging in the air and a wedding coming and all those things but uh just in, in in her wisdom and in talking with her I think it's so important not just to have a long distance uh time together but that you would kind of live in the same area with that person and know their family and know them. And so uh, she will be moving to Florida in July, later in July, and, uh, and uh, you just uh, moving to the same city where this young man is. And his name is Gavin. Uh, I've never met him personally, but we've talked many times on the phone. We've emailed uh, together, and uh, he is uh, truly uh, a neat, neat young guy. And, um, and uh, so, again, uh, appreciate his heart. He goes to a church down there, uh, and the church's pastor, it's evangelist, pastor by Terrell Todd, and many of you maybe know Terrell Todd because he was in the area here for a long time in a church plan in the North Shore. And so uh, we know the church well, we know the pastor well. She is going into good hands. And um, so while it kind of breaks our heart to think about somebody moving on, um, we're also extremely happy that she met someone that shares her call uh, to, to reach children around the world. She's been blessing our children for, um, for, for many years now, but now she's going to bless the children of this world. And what we have to realize as a church with a Bible college is that's what we do. We send people out. We send out Pastor Merrill. We send out Pastor Fred, Pastor Harry today. We've sent them out. And that's what we do as a church. We send out. So that we can bless the body of Christ. And, and uh, so it's with a, a heavy heart because we love Brooke as a family. And as a church so much, but uh, again, uh, God is taking her on to bigger and better things uh, in life. And so we honor her and we'll have some type of going away party for her. But again, it's not happening for a while. I just wanted to tell you today so that you knew and uh, you knew that I knew and all those things. So again, just want to let you know that. But I love the church. I love what's happening here. Why do I love it so much? I've really been thinking about it and I love it because God loves his church. We got to get that in our heart. This was God's idea. This isn't my idea or somebody's idea or the apostles' idea. On the day of Pentecost, this is God's idea that He told a group of teenage guys, "I will build my church through you, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." It's my idea. You're going to bear my name to this world. You're going to be my body to this world. I'm not going to be. Oh, light just went out. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be leaving, and and you're going to be my body to this world. You're going to take my place in this world, and. And and I'm gonna come back for you again. Did you know that God loves this church? He calls us his bride. You should see you should see Brooke talk about Gavin in the office, all giggly. I mean, Brooke doesn't get giggly about guy. I mean, oh, you know, Gavin, oh, and he did this, and he's oh, so sweet. You know, and and just in talking to him and how much she loves her, and it's like, oh, come on. You know, just but 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 that idea, I, I mean I counsel a lot of people before they get married because we do premarital counseling And man, you can't say one bad thing about the other person because they're so in love. And that's how much God loves you. He loves His church. And we're His bride. And He loves His bride. And He's coming for us. And it's a powerful thing. But yet, so many people make excuses why they're not part of church. Why they don't go or or just don't have time for God. They say, yeah, I'm too busy. The story in Jesus' life about Mary and Martha. Jesus didn't have too many kind things to say about Martha, who was very busy trying to do something for Jesus. It was Mary who sat at his feet and listened to Jesus. That's the one. So don't say you're too busy, or you know, I got too many things going on. I got, boy, do I have things that are just so important. And there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus and thought he was okay. Thought he had everything worked out. That he was doing everything just right. And and, uh, and God said, I want you to lay it all down and come follow me. And he couldn't do it because he had too many things. So that excuse doesn't work, or you know what? I, I'm just, I'm so tired. You know, I can only, uh, that's my only day to sleep in. Why do you want me to come to church on Sunday? The Bible's very clear. It says, do not slumber, be alert, for you know, not when, you know not when the master of the house is coming. There's nothing more important than being diligent, being alert. And there's so many different excuses. Well, I don't like the pews, or I don't like the temperature, or I don't like this, or I don't like that, or I'm going through a really hard time. I don't understand that one. I mean, I kind of do. I'm going through such a difficult time in my life. I don't. Where else are you going to go? Going to hide out all by yourself? I want to be in the power and the presence of God. If I'm going through a hard, if I got a hard week, if I got tears coming out of my eyes, I want to be in a place where I can rejoice and feel the power and the presence of God. I don't want to make excuses why I don't come to church because God doesn't like excuses. Luke 14, which we won't look at today. That's a homework assignment for you. I didn't. I was going to talk about it, but then it. It just It's kind of heavy, so I'm going to let you do it on your own. Luke 14, because there's a lot of people, Jesus tells a parable about a banquet, and there's a lot of excuses why they couldn't come. And those people end up in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ooh, that gnashing of teeth. Ooh, that regret. Ooh. And I don't want to have any regrets with God because Jesus doesn't like our excuses. Whatever excuse comes up, He doesn't like it. Then He talks about the cost of discipleship, all these things in Luke 14. He says, look, I don't want your excuses. And what I love about preaching to you guys today is you didn't make any excuses. You're here. You're here. And you're a part of the body of Christ. And again, I know there's people on vacation. I mean, I understand that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that say, I don't have time for God. I don't have time for his church. I don't have time to be involved. And I'm too busy in the summer. Pastor Joe, you're taking some time off, so I'm going to take some time off. I I found that this, this week. I thought it was funny. It says, recreation is my shepherd. I shall not stay at home. He maketh me to lie down in a sleeping bag. He leadeth me down the interstate each weekend. He restoreth my suntan. He leadeth me to the state parks for his comfort's sake, and though I stray on the Lord's day, I will fear no reprimand, for thou art with me. My rod and my reel, they comfort me. I anointest my skin with oil, and my gas tank runneth dry. Surely my trailer shall follow me all the weekends of the summer, and I shall return to the house of the Lord this fall. Yeah. Um, the problem is, this fall, there's a new excuse. There's a new excuse. Well, we're too busy now. We're back. And, and what we have is we have all these excuses. But why is it so important? You say, well, Pastor Jerry, you're going to be gone for a couple months. Why don't I just leave for a couple months? I mean, nobody's going to even notice. Why is it so important? I want to give you some things today. Get out your sermon notes. Write these things down. This is so important. I, I really been thinking these last couple times I have with you, what would I preach if I didn't have any more opportunities to preach? And here's it. Why is it so important to be a part of the church, to be involved, to be committed, to to, to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to experience the presence of the Lord? Why is it so important? Number one is it keeps the fire of the Lord burning in your heart. It keeps the fire of the Lord burning, keeps your fire burning. It keeps your passion going. When you you grill out and you put your coals together and you light them on fire, you've got that big mound of coals that are lit up and then they turn white hot. And those coals all together, that's where the heat comes. But but there's always that coal that kind of strays a little bit farther away and doesn't really light on fire and it doesn't have any heat. And, And you don't want to be that coal that's removed from the fire. Because you'll lose your fire, you'll lose your heat. You don't want to be removed from the body of Christ. You want to be close to where the power of God is. You want to be a place where you can remember what Jesus did on the cross, that you can sing, how great is our God, that you can hear the Word of God preached, that you can have somebody pray for you and talk with you. You need to be in that. You've got to keep the fire and the passion of the Lord burning in your heart, and you can't do that all by yourself. You have to be in the presence of the Lord with His body, with His church. The other thing that it does, it protects us from self-deception. Because a lot of times, well, we just think, I'm okay. I'm okay with God, and it's all good. And you really have to be careful because there's a part, there's a verse we all know. It's James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. But that's not the whole verse because the end of the verse goes like this because if if you're just hearers and and you're not doers, then you're deceiving yourself. This idea of deceiving yourself. You can deceive yourself. If you're not in the body of Christ, you can deceive yourself and think, oh, I'm I'm okay, it's all good. It's because nobody's looking into your life. There's no one seeing what you're doing and who you are. And you can be fooling yourself and maybe fooling a couple of people around you, but you can't fool God. And when you're in His presence and other people are seeing you, there, there's going to be, you've got to get things right. And, 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 and here's the thing, is anything you've got going on with God vertically should work horizontally. So if you say, I love God, then you should be loving the people around you. You can't love God and hate your brother and sister. And we've got to remember that. So, so if I'm loving God then I've got to be loving my wife, Leslie, and loving my kids, and loving you guys. Because it all works together. Whatever i got going on with God, I've got to be going on with you. And, and, and I can't do that if I'm not together. And I can't be challenged if, if I'm, I'm loving God, but I'm not loving somebody else. But when I'm with other people, they can challenge me. I don't want to deceive myself that I think I'm okay. The next one is it leads to maturity. It leads to maturity. Coming to church, being a part of the body of Christ, it leads to maturity. You want to be in a place where you can mature. And if you're in a healthy family situation or work situation or school situation, you're there with a wide variety of personalities and you have to get along. And the only way people get along, whether it be in a family or any other societal unit, is if they're mature. If they're mature. If there's selfishness, it's, it's going to be bad in a hurry. But you've got to be mature when you're together and you've got to work together and you've got to take instruction and, 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 and think of other people. And so that leads to maturity. Proverbs 18.1 says... The man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against wise judgment. I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be by myself. I need other people in my life to challenge me. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Pastor Darrell, did you just say stupid? No. God said you're stupid if you don't take that instruction, if you don't love that knowledge. And so we need that in our life. And when I put myself in the body of Christ, I'm saying, God, I'm giving him the leverage to mature me, to work on me, to change me. And so I want to put myself in a place where God can grow me up. The next one is that it helps us grow and produce fruit. It helps us to grow and produce fruit. This is important. If you planted a a plant outside and and you, you planted it and it starts to grow, and as soon as it starts to shoot up, you dig it up and you replant it somewhere else. And then you dig it up and replant it somewhere else. And then you dig it up and replant it somewhere else. That plant's going to die. The plant's not going to survive. And even if it does survive, it's going to just <laughs> barely survive. It's never going to grow to full maturity. And what we have to do in our life is we have to dig down deep. Do you know why other churches call and ask if our pastors can go and minister there? Is because there is a track record of significant ministry done in this place. This is not something that is fly by night or anything like that. This is something where we seek the Lord, we believe in the power of God, and we do things His way, and there is a track record, a proven track record of waiting on God and knowing God. And so you want to be in a place like that. You want to be in a place where the roots go down deep so that you can plant your roots in that and receive the life-giving benefit of that. I'm going to be away for a couple months, but just for a couple months, I'm coming back and you're stuck with me. So, you know, we're going to be have a place where we just sink our roots down deep. And I love some things about our church. There's people that have been in our church for 30 years and there's been people in our church for three weeks and we're all part of the plan of God in this place. And what we have to realize is that God has planted us here and he wants to grow us up so that we produce fruit. The last reason, and this is going to launch us into our our Bible reading this morning and and get some things from God's Word, is that we we get involved with His church and we're involved in the kingdom where we are planted in His body and we need the church because it's just being obedient to God. Going to church is obeying God. It's that simple. Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't neglect getting together. Let us not neglect getting together. And this is important, and, and that's going to be the verse, but I want to get the context for this verse today. And so I'm going to begin in verse 19 of chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. And I want to look at this. And the context for this is Jesus died on the cross, and we remember that this morning. He died on a cross for our sins. And we don't have to go to the tabernacle. We don't have to go to the temple anymore. We don't have to go and seek out the most holy place because guess what? We have access to the most holy place in heaven. we got access to Jesus, you and I. And that's the context of this verse of of meeting together. So let's begin... In chapter 10, verse 19 of the book of Hebrews, and and allow this to speak to our lives, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, I don't know if you're watching the news or spending some time with the Lord, but Jesus' return is drawing near. And we need to be meeting together. And coming together, we have this freedom, this boldness to walk into the most holy place. And what we see in this passage of Scripture are two words over and over again let us do this. Let us, let us, let us. He's not saying you should do this and I should do this. No, let's do this together let us together what are we to do as a church when we draw near to god i want you to really think about this and write these things down and realize this is what we do and this is why it's so important he says let us first of all what number one draw near to god verses 21 and 22. let us draw near to god with sincere hearts we got this we got this new thing that's wide open to us in, in the new covenant we can we can just go right into the presence of god guys and let's do that together. Let's go into His friends where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. I want you to, to come to church expecting and to draw near to God and come with a pure heart before the Lord. Because God looks at our heart, doesn't He? We know that it's not about the outside appearance. He's very clear about that in 1 Samuel 16, 7. When Samuel's looking for the next king of Israel and he's bypassing little young David and God has to say to Samuel, Samuel, you guys look at the outside. But I look at a man's heart. And God needed a, a person after his own heart, and so we come with a heart, a sincere heart, just fully trusting that we would come and draw near to God, fully trusting that we would be full of faith when we came. Because it says in Hebrews 11, 6, that, that without faith it's impossible to please God. That we come with pure hearts, fully trusting in the power of God. And then he uses some Old Testament language, and I want you to get this. It's very interesting. That he sprinkles our conscience with the blood of Jesus. Sprinkles our conscience, sprinkles our hearts. What is he saying there? The, The Old Testament priest would sprinkle the blood as a sign of forgiveness of sins. And so he sprinkled it, and he doesn't remember our sins anymore because they've been washed by the blood of Jesus. And so when we come into the presence of God and we draw near to him, our hearts are clean. We go in with faith, believing that that He's forgiven our sins, but that's not it. He says in the next part, then our bodies have been washed in pure water. Before the priests could go into the most holy place, they had to bathe and remove all the dirt and all the filth. They had to be completely clean as they walked into the most holy place. And this is what God is saying. I am not only going to forgive your sins so that you come in with a pure conscience. I am going to wash you clean. I'm going to wash your body. You know what that means? I'm going to give you the power to live a holy lifestyle, to live in righteousness, that you're not going to be the same person 10 years from now that you are today because the Holy Spirit's power is at work in you, and you won't do the same things that you did 10 years ago. See, that's what we need to realize, that he washes us with pure water. When we draw near together, when we do this together, God is doing something in our life. He's changing our appetite. He's doing something supernatural by the Spirit in our life as He washes us with this water. And so the first thing is, let us draw near. Not just individually, but let us draw near to God. The second thing is, let us hold fast to our profession of faith. Let's hold fast to that. Let's hold tightly to that. Why do we hold tightly to that? Because He's faithful. He promised it. It's going to come to pass. So we hold on tight;ing We don't waver. Or as one translation says, swerve. We hold fast. We go steady. What happens when you see a car swerving down the road? You're like, I want to get away from that car because it might end up in the wrong direction or the wrong lane or something. It's dangerous when you start swerving. But so often in life, when circumstances come away, we're like, oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and he says, no, you come together and you hold fast. You hold steady. And you keep going, but I don't know, God, it doesn't seem like it's working. You know what? We hold fast. Why? Because He's faithful to keep His promises. And we need people in our life to say, look, hold on. Don't swerve that car. Don't go in the wrong direction. Don't drift into the other lane. You hold fast. Hold steady. And He said, Let's do that together. That's that's something that we, we need encouragement to do that together. And it leads us to the next one. That we, that we, that we hold the pastor profession of faith, but then we let or it says, let us motivate, or the word there could be translated encourage, or we'll use motivate. Let us motivate one another. Let's motivate one another. We need other people in our lives to motivate us to what? It says to spur it on, to provoke, uh, to think creatively in the, in the uh, Message Bible. It says to, to think of creative or inventive ways to spur one another on to two things. What? One is love and good works. We need somebody in our life to tell us that, hey, spur us on to love. Because we've got to learn. You know what the test of Christianity is? The simple test of Christianity is this. Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? When you look at John's writing in 1 John, I mean, it's just, he's like, it's all about love. If you don't love, then you're not, you don't belong to God. We motivate one another. We encourage one another to love. That's the first thing. And then to good works. So what we do is when we gather together, we are motivating, we're encouraging, whether it be from the pulpit or in a, in a small group or so, we're motivating to good works. We're motivating to love. We're motivating to, to something that we wouldn't probably do on our own. Because if you read it verse 26 and following, which we won't get to today, but he's like, you need to put away the sin. You need to get rid of the garbage in your life. Stop sinning. Love and good works. Be motivated to those things. And if we're left all alone, I'm not motivated to love. I'm not motivated to good works. And a lot of times I need to, to be in a place where I'm motivated toward those things because if I'm not, the enemy is going to come into my life. The enemy is going to come in. And he might even come when we're meeting together, but we've got to watch his, his, his attacks. You know what his attacks are? They're simple. The first one is Pride. I don't need to hear this. You know, I mean, maybe for somebody else, but I don't need it or whatever. That first thing is pride, and then it leads to selfishness. Well, if I love and do these good works, and somebody's going to take advantage of me, and, you know, I don't, I don't really need that right now. I, I, fill in the blank for your life, whatever you would say, but, but, but that pride, that selfishness works in. And, and if that doesn't work, he's going to try a critical spirit. So you start getting critical about the body of Christ. You start getting critical about this thing or that thing. And he works his way in. And Paul says over and over again, Don't give the devil a foothold. What he's meaning is don't give him any space in your life because you just give him an inch, he's going to grab hold of that and he's going to claw to get more and more and more and more and let us gather together today to motivate one another to love and good works, so that he can't get a foothold in our life. That same temptation that keeps tripping you up again and again and again that keeps throwing in your path. Just say, no, I want to be together with my brothers and sisters in Christ that challenge me, that lift me up, that I remember how good God is and that, that, that He didn't save me just so I can keep on sinning as it talks about in 26 and follow. No, he, he has sprinkled my conscience, my heart with His blood. He has washed my body to walk in righteous and holy living. And I belong to Him. I don't belong to the devil. I don't belong to this world. I don't even belong to myself. I belong to God. And we've got to get a hold of that. And, and that happens when we come together. And I need people in my life to encourage me. And you need people in life to encourage you. So we we come together. We draw near to God. We hold fast to His promises. We encourage one another to love and good works. and, And it leads us to the last one. How do we accomplish all these things together? It's by not neglecting to get together. It says, let us, talking to the group, let us not neglect meeting together. We need each other. You need other believers in your life. It's that simple. So this leads me to the next 10 years of our church life. Again, I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, but this is just what the Lord's placed in my heart during prayer time and in talking to some uh, close people and leadership in our church. This is what I believe God's leading us to for the next 10 years. That we're going to be a church, because we need each other, we're going to be a church all about relationship. We're going to be a church all about relationship. The number one relationship any one of us will ever have is a relationship with God. We connect people to God. It's a relationship that not only goes with us through this life, but takes us into eternity. It's the most important relationship any one of us will ever have. We work on that relationship first. The next one we work on is we work on those around us, in our families, in our church, in our brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not meant to be a Christian all alone. You need other people as you draw near to the Lord. You need other people in your life as you hold on steady. You need other people in your life to encourage and motivate you to love and good works. You need those people in your life. And then the relationships go beyond just the church, but it goes on to our calling if we're called to be at home or to be at work or to be at school, wherever God places us to go, that we take that love out. Because you know what, guys? We're not called just to love one another. We're called to love this world. And you cannot love this world without a relationship with people. And, and what we have in the body of Christ here is awesome. That's why I love walking through the door every day. I love it because I know that my family, my friends are here. But guys, there are so many people that are dying and lost. And they need this relationship. And when you look around, I know there's some people on vacation day. I understand that. It's, it's June now. We' got a lot of empty seats and, and they need that love, they need that relationship. they need your small group. and if I have to preach more sermons and have more services, that's fine with me. I don't care. We need to be a church all about relationship, first with God, then with one another and then to our world. We have to be a church that's all about relationship. It's too important and God makes it very simple for us. Mark 12:30. and somebody asks, what's the greatest commandment? What do you want me to do God?" Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbors yourself that 's it it 's all about relationship, and that 's what we need to do in our life and and he's saying again and again, "Let us do this, let us do this, and let us do this. and you know what like and I, I'm almost ashamed to say that I never noticed this before in the New Testament since I teach New Testament here at the Bible College, but I noticed something this week that i hadn 't noticed before I mean, I knew it because I teach but i, I didn't it didn't hit me till today. And I was, I was preparing, and I was looking at 1 Thessalonians 1.1, where it's, you know, and, and Paul always kind of gives that address at the beginning of each of his epistles. And Paul's the most prolific writer in the New Testament. Romans all the way through Philemon, right there in the middle of the New Testament. He wrote all that, and he puts his name in all that. But what I noticed is that rarely does he ever just put his name. Like when I was looking at 1 Thessalonians, he said, uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ, with... Silas and Timothy. And then I began to look at the other epistles because it just hit me that, that, that there's three people involved in this epistle going out. And then I began to look at Paul's different epistles and how many times he doesn't just mention his name, he mentions the people that are ministering with him. And what that tells me, and we're talking about Paul, like Peter and Paul, they're the men in the New Testament church, okay? Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter, the apostle to the Jews. But, but again, Paul's the man, okay? And he never ministered alone. Wow. Could anybody have ministered alone? Yeah, Paul's the guy. He could have done it full of the power of the Holy Spirit. This guy set cities on fire, but he never ministered alone. And if Paul needed those brothers in Christ around him, I need brothers and sisters in Christ around me. And he's always talking to the people that are fellow laborers with him in these letters and he never did it alone. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. We need people in our lives. I appreciate the relationships that I have in our church and and, and I'm a part of a variety of small groups and lead different things and and, uh, and on Wednesdays and Thursdays and obviously preach on the weekends, but I just hold very dear a, a group of guys that I meet with every Monday night. It's my accountability group. I've talked about it before, but whether it be Mark or Jim or Kelly, when we get together and share our lives, there's something intentional about that relationship. And this isn't something that I invited them into my life. They invited me into their lives. And, and we need those kind of relationships in our life. We need... Because you know what happens? Sometimes we come to church and we pretend everything's okay. We walk in on Sunday morning and, you know what, i got to put on my happy face today. And... Um, we're desperate inside. And it would be inappropriate if if you know we got up on Sunday morning and just I handed the mic to everybody and just everybody just, oh, it's so terrible and it's so bad. No, no, no. The, the Sunday mornings are a celebration. We worship the Lord, we look at His word. But we need that small group in our life. We need those people in our life that say, I need you to pray for me. We need to, to draw near to the Lord together. We need to, to motivate one another. We need to help each other hold steady. We need that in our lives. We need that grace. We need that power. We can't do it by ourselves. And I want us to be a church about relationship. Because you know what the problem in the book of um, Hebrews is, if you study it, is that these people were immature. And the writer of Hebrews has to go back and back and guys, you should be so far beyond this. You should be at a whole other level in God, but you're not. Because you're not coming together. And you're not doing this faith together. You're doing it by yourself, and you're messing everything up. Let us, and from the beginning to the end, all these let us in uh, throughout the book tells us we need to do this together. We are a church about relationship. First with God and then to one another. And I don't want you to wait. I want you to begin to think about it. And I want to share this with you, how to do these things. But but not right now. I just want you to think about this as we get ready to pray. I heard this story. And it's... A pastor told me we were at a conference having lunch, and he told me the story. So it might be a little overdone, but I thought, wow, that's that takes guts. He's part of a funeral service, and he wasn't actually giving the sermon at the funeral. But, but a, a person died that wasn't really connected to the church very very much, and and uh, for the sake of a name, we'll give him the name Daryl. Um, but uh, he was in the casket, and the caskets is in front of the uh, in front of the the the, the pulpit. Is the pastor sends to. Give the sermon, the eulogy uh, for Daryl, who's in the casket. And uh, so he gets up and he says this Daryl didn't have much time for church and never really wanted to come, but he's here today. <laughs> Daryl told me that, you know, when it's really hot outside, he doesn't like uh, to leave the house and come to church. I guess it's not too hot outside today. Daryl said he didn't like the people, he didn't like a crowd, he didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't like to have to, you know, search for a place to be in church, it's just always too crowded. I guess it's not too crowded today. Daryl told me he was always too busy to come to church. I guess he's not too busy today. And I thought, first of all, as a pastor, boy, that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> it's not bringing a whole lot of comfort to the family at that moment, but... But I thought about that, and, and he went on and on, and it got funnier and funnier. But as I thought about it, is that a lot of times we wait till it's too late. And I'm not talking about death right now, although that can happen. I, I'm talking about till we swerve off the road and have that spiritual car crash. And then we ask, why didn't you come and ask for help? We were here every weekend. I have an open-door policy in my office upstairs. You walk in, you can see me. It's just, you know, why? Why did that happen? We are going to be a church about relationship. That we draw near to God together. That we hold on fast. That, that we don't swerve out of control. That, that, that we motivate one another to love and good works. And that we come together and meet together. And when we meet together, God's there. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Lord, we honor you today. We lift your name high. And we realize that this is not our church. This is your church. And so, God, we just um, wait on you as you lead us through the summer and into the fall. And, God, whatever you have for us for the next 10 years, we know it's going to be about relationships. And, God, that you're going to, to grow us up in you through being together as the body. Lord, if there's anyone here today that's not a part of your family, would you just invite them in to know you? Remind them that you died on the cross to forgive their sins and and that you remember their sins no more once they ask for forgiveness. And so, God, bring them into your church body. Lord, for those that come and attend, but they don't really have any friends in church, they never really talked to a pastor when they needed help, God, I pray I pray, I pray, I pray that you lead them to the right relationships. Whether it be for their marriage or for their children or, or for their life or their work or their school, whatever, God, just, just lead them to those right places that we can encourage one another and draw near together. We can hold fast to your promises, God. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a church that's all about relationships, that we will love this world that we'll offer ministry and help to any church that asks. And God, I just thank you that that you've allowed us to be a place that can do that. And again, God, we realize it's really not about us. It's about your favor. We thank you for that. And I thank you for every person that's here, even those that had to travel today. God, thank you for making us a body. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would just knit us closer and tighter together. And God, would you just grow us up? Because we don't want to be immature anymore. Grow us up, Lord. We want to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.